All right. Well, turn with me to Romans chapter 12 to the, in your awesome mind molder book. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to put one in your hands right now. If you're new with us, my name is Robert. I have the happy joy of being the lead pastor here. And we're jumping into a new series called Extreme Life Makeover. And as they're passing out these Bibles, just want to encourage you to jump in with us these next three days on this churchwide fast. In your bulletin is a scriptural underpinning for why we fast. I can tell you so many people fast for their first times and then realize what a powerful tool that fasting is for seeing breakthrough both in our personal lives and in our church as well as in our city. Tuesday night, we'll be coming together to pray for that. And this week's just huge. If you haven't signed up for World Mandate West, it's going to be amazing. Please be praying with me on, on Friday. We're hosting over 40 pastors and leaders from the city who are coming and joining us for lunch. And going to be, we're going to be talking about how God wants to use our region to mobilize and send people to all the nations of the world. And so we just have this incredible response from leaders and pastors that are going to be coming and joining us. So please be praying with us. And I think I told you that one of our speakers, Shadonke Johnson, had a death in his family. He's our uh, pastor from Africa. And so the last minute we were able to ask the gentleman who has just seen the, the first historic move into the thousands of Arab Muslims in the Middle East. This story is this year, and he's going to come and share that whole story with us. He's a normal person just like me and you, but the story is, is history-making, and I want you to hear it. So come with us, and listen, if you don't have the finances, it's $35. We tried to make it as inexpensive as possible just to cover our cost. But listen, if you can't pay that, Please come, pay what you can, throw in what you can, but don't let finances be a block for you. This is one of those family events where you want the whole family to show up at dinner or you want the whole family to go on vacation. This is one of those family events where we want you, to, we, we want you there. So don't let finances block you, okay? okay. All, right. All right, there we go. Hey, as we, as we jump into this series, the inspiration obviously came in 2003 when on Sunday nights, this was the one show that I had to watch every week, watching Ty Pennington screaming, hello, Jones family. And, you know, startling some family that's in, in dire straits and in horrible need and coming in with his, his vivacious team into their desperation and whisking them away, sending them to Disney World, of course. And then rehabbing, restoring, sometimes destroying and rebuilding their whole home. And every week, you, know, you can ask my wife, Stephanie, every week at the end, tears would just start pouring down my eyes. Sometimes we'd have friends over and I'd try not to like sob, you know, <laughs> sobbing. As at the end, the family would, would pull up, there'd be this big bus. They'd say, bus driver, move that bus. The whole community's out there. The bus moves, the enchanting music starts, and the family just melts and they're weeping as they're, you know, viewing this glorious home. And the amazing thing is, is it wasn't just this cookie cutter home that they redid in seven, seven days. It was always custom made 
where Ty and his team had studied each person in the family, found their loves, their passions, and then just completely morphed that room of each family member around that person's unique personality. And so the person would be walking in just screaming because they felt so blessed, so known, so loved. Their life had been transformed. Now, here's the sad thing. Now, the, the show has been going on for 10 years. Just had the last episode in December. I still cry when I see it. But the thing that's sad is now after 10 years, they've had time to go back and study some different people who had their home totally transformed. And maybe as you'd guess, some of them have gone back to the exact same living conditions. Some of them have lost their homes. And here's the reason. It's because their outer circumstances were changed, but their inner life was never transformed. Their outer circumstances were changed, but their inner life was never transformed. I find that so many of us, we have these crises before us and we're like, if just this situation can change, then we'll be okay. And maybe you get through it, but then you find yourself the next week in another situation. And what I want to propose to you today is that what's more important than our homes being made over is your life being made over. And that's why we want to take the next eight weeks to talk about an extreme life makeover. And here's what I believe the world's asking. I think the world's asking, is this church thing really real? Is this God thing, is it, is it genuine? When you look at this book, is this just a, a book of some feel-good statements? Or can this really transform my life? Because when I look at my life, I see a broken heart, and I see a messed up mind, and I see all kinds of things going on inside of me that just desperately need to be redone. I want to start this series by inviting Chelsea to come up. Chelsea, I've, I've been able to hear her story before, and it so personifies what we're believing for, and I believe what God wants to do. Come on up, Chelsea. And so I want her to share quickly with us. Will you welcome her as she comes? Hi, everyone. <laughs> so um, I went to a private school from preschool to third grade. So as a kid, I knew who God was. And because of that, I always considered myself a Christian, even if I wasn't living like one. In fourth grade, my mom moved us to Las Vegas. And there's definitely a reason why they call it Sin City. It was quite the change going from a Christian school in California to a public school in Vegas. But instead of resisting, I conformed to it. Although I continued to call myself a Christian, which in my thoughts seemed good enough, I continued to conform more and more, looking more and more like the world. In high school, I started dating, which included losing my virginity shortly after getting cheated on and to make myself feel better having sex with someone else. All of that led to partying, which led to drinking, and eventually led to drugs, which I had originally said I'd never do. It was the worst when I graduated from high school. I decided to completely throw my life away and just party. There were months that would go by where I would party and do drugs every single night. There was a couple of nights where I would pop 
up to 12 ecstasy pills in one night. Amongst all of this craziness, which, by the way, no one knew about in my family, especially my mom, who did not raise me to be this way. But anyways, one day amongst all of my confusing thoughts, I think to myself that I need to leave. So I pack up a suitcase full of clothes and go to California to stay with my cousin Ashley. And the craziness continues just in a different place. We were going out drinking, doing drugs, going to raves. But one night, one night while intoxicated, we got into a huge fight. And I ended up at my aunt's and uncle's house. And my grandma was there as well. And they had an intervention. They were concerned because I had so much potential in my first two years of high school. I was doing so good in sports, and I had really good grades. I should have been at some four-year. But instead, I was nothing, doing nothing but partying. They told me that my cousin Dominique, their daughter, had an empty room in San Diego. And they would help me with my bills as long as I enrolled in school and looked for a job. So I took the offer. I went back to Vegas, packed up all my stuff, and moved to San Diego. And yes, just like I'm sure you guessed, nothing changed here either, except for the fact that I was in school. We were partying every weekend, drinking and doing drugs. My life was getting even worse. One night, me and three of my friends decided to drink a whole bottle of vodka to ourselves. And this was not an average-sized bottle of vodka. It was one of those king-sized versions. <laughs> that night ended with me and my cousin in jail. Her for a DUI and me for public intoxication. And me and my other friend, Chelsea, were both charged or being charged with battery, which, praise God, didn't end up going through, but... The saddest part of this whole situation was how I didn't learn from it. I mean, I didn't drink for maybe a few weeks, but eventually I went right back to the normal, not really even apologizing to them for my behavior that night. And just when you all thought it couldn't get any worse, it did. Um, I thought to myself that I can prove something to my family not only was I going to do well in school, but I was going to find a job fast and be able to take care of myself. So I was, um, I was desperate for a job. I came across an ad for a waitress position at a strip club, and I thought to myself, it's just a waitress, it's not an actual stripper. So there I was a few nights later waitressing at a strip club. And maybe two nights passed, and I was a stripper. <laughs> Never in a million years would I have thought that I would stoop that low, but I did. And I can't even describe the unhappiness and dreadful thoughts, the practical zero self-worth. It was the worst time of my whole life. So now I was a college student who partied, did drugs, had sex, and whose profession was taking my clothes off in front of men. I couldn't be at a lower place. But one night when I was supposed to be at EDC, which is a rave, it's basically just three days of drugs and partying. And somehow I ended up at my friend Chelsea's house, and um, who, by the way, learn from that night of drinking she totally changed she stopped partying stopped drinking started going to church every sunday and thursday i thought she was really weird and lame <laughs> anyways 
that night, I was at her house. We ended up talking about God all night until early in the morning. And I had a chance to share with Chelsea all of my secrets. I told her everything. And it was the first time that I looked at it all as a sin. It was the first time that I realized that I was not only affecting myself, but affecting the people around me. And worst of all, I realized that I was hurting God. I had a chance to repent to Chelsea. So soon after that, I went to church with her on Father's Day. And um, Father's Day of, the, of last year. And the pastor said, um, let's have the fathers stand and let's thank God for these men who are there for their children. And I teared up because my father isn't in my life. But then he said, let's also thank God for the fathers who couldn't be there for their children for whatever reason. And I had never thought of it like that. I never thought, my dad does love me. He just wasn't able to take care of me. Then the pastor said, and for those children who don't have their fathers, God will be their father. Not only their heavenly father, but worldly father. He will fill that void. And at that moment, I felt that even though I was this sinful person, God still loved me. And I still had a place in the church. And Chelsea was beside me. And Jackie, who I didn't know at the time, saw me crying and came up to me and related to me and, and most of all made me feel comfortable. And they had no idea what was happening. And the chan- I had the chance to repent my sins to Chelsea. And now I had forgiven my dad. And ultimately, I accepted God into my life again as my father. And I can't even explain the feeling. I felt so loved. And after that day, everything began to change. I started coming to Awaken and Life Group. My desires changed. I now wanted to please God and build my treasures in heaven. It was amazing. I was so content and comfortable. And most of all, I was unashamed. I was free. And in closing, I just want to thank everyone who has been with me on this journey. Thank you for all. Thank you all for not judging me and for being here with me even in my struggles. Thank you. Well, it's going to be really hard to preach after that, Chelsea. <laughs> Romans 12.2. Therefore, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Once again, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Chelsea's story illustrates perfectly being conformed. She even used the word conformed to the pattern of this world. Thinking, if I just party, if I just do drugs, if I just give myself to this man, if I just get this job, if I just act fast, then I'll make it in this world. I'll be a success. And the whole time the enemy's trying to destroy our lives. We have a real enemy that's trying to destroy us. It doesn't matter if you wanted to be in the battle or not. When you were born, you were born with an adversary. 
His name is the devil. He is after you. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God, but God wants to transform us. And I want to tell you as we start talking through a life being transformed, that one of the main battles you'll fight in your life is the battle for your mind. Many people would say that their greatest enemy is their own mind. The battle for the mind. Listen to this study that was done a few years ago by Dr. Dennis Gersten. He's from the American Board of Psychiatry and Neurology. It says the average person has approximately 15,000 thoughts per day, which works out to around 10 different thoughts a minute, 24 hours per day. If that number is uh, not connecting with you, that's about 16 or 15,000 thoughts. 50% of those thoughts are negative. 50% of those thoughts are negative. So that comes out to being that the average person has 7,500, 7,500 negative thoughts a day. You, you've experienced it. You wake up, and the second you wake up, oh, not another day. And then you're thinking, I hate that alarm clock. And then you reach over, and then you hit snooze. And then you immediately go, how could I hit snooze? I'm cheating God out of spending time with him. I'm cheating the living God out of spending time with him. Snooze, you're from the devil. <clears throat> you're such a wretch. I'm cheating the living God. And, you know, you put your feet down on the ground and you're, you look down and you go, oh, my feet. I don't even like how they look. And I've got to go get some coffee. And, oh, I forgot to make the coffee last night. I've got to make it. I always forget. I'm forgetful of everything. I'll probably forget all my whole life. You haven't even gotten out of bed yet. And this just plays all day long. But this is not God's plan for us. He says he doesn't want us to be conformed to the pattern of this world, which is negativity, which is discouragement, which is depression, which is self-condemnation. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Write that down if you're taking notes. Transformed. By the renewing of your mind, God wants you to have a renewed mind. And that's what I want to just take a couple minutes. We don't have long, but I want to take a couple minutes to talk about how do we renew our mind. I've, I keep having this little website that pops up on Pandora and it's trying to get me to click on it because it's saying your, your brain is decaying. And if you'll just play these mental games every day, it's going to make you sharp. And I don't believe it. But I do want to tell you that God has a plan to transform your mind. And I'm going to give you three different components of that today. So first of all, quickly turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. It's in the New Testament. If you're in the book of Romans, take a right. Ephesians chapter 5. This is in an interesting passage that usually people are talking about in regards to marriage. Verse 25, it says this, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word. My point one is that you need a brainwashing. <laughs> Write down brainwashing. College students, you can call home and say, yes, my pastor at All People's Church talked about brainwashing today. And I'll go over really well with them. 
You need a brainwashing, and this is biblical. Ephesians 5, 25 says that there is a washing by the word. I want to tell you that just living in the world, we get dirty. Chelsea didn't mean to. She's just going through the world. But the world is coming at you. And it's kind of like driving your car down, you know, on the highway. And all of a sudden, bugs are just going splatting on your windshield, right? You didn't mean, you weren't pursuing any bugs, but they're just coming and getting splatted on your windshield and you're driving and it's, it's gross, right? What do you do when that happens? You squirt the water, you start washing it, right? That's how you get the bugs off. You need a brainwashing. So you take this word and you just let it, you take a word shower, You just need to every day take this word shower. I remember when I started trying to follow Christ. And I started realizing, you know, I want my thoughts to be pleasing to you. But I just realized there was so much junk always going on in my mind. And I I started actually getting sensitive. You know, I'd turn on the TV and go, you know what? That's not pleasing to God. All those people doing that little stuff on TV and all those words and all the killing. And I'd listen to the radio and they'd talk about doing this with that person. And I'm like, ooh, The first thing we need to do is we need to stop intaking all the junk. You say, well, that doesn't really affect me, right? That didn't affect me. And then all of a sudden you stump your toe and out comes a stream of words that you heard on TV. That's affecting you. Or you're walking around and all of a sudden these images that you saw on TV start popping in your mind. That's affecting you. But I want to tell you, we need a washing. Some of you remember chemistry class. Who's been in chemistry class before? There was this little instrument that they had, and it was, I don't know what it's called, an eye washer. And and they said, if you ever get a chemical in your eye, what do you do? You don't just go, oh, teacher, I have a chemical. And she didn't go, oh, let me give you some little drops. No, they said, get over that thing, put your eye right here, and that's what some of us need to do. Your brain has gotten so much junk in it that you just need a washing. So let me just tell you practically what you do. You just start reading this word every day. Not to win some award, but because you need the brainwashing, right? This is what I did. I stopped listening to the radio talking about all the little things that I should do and all the things I want and all the people that stole my girlfriend and... And I started just, I'd crank up the worship music or I started playing sermons all the time. I started, I, ha, I bought the Bible on CD. You don't even need that anymore. Just get it on MP3. And I just started listening. I just said, man, my mind, when I'm just sitting there, it just starts going crazy. So I need a washing. Here, here's what it made me think of. You know, when you get, when you, when you start getting allergies and you start getting, you know, just all this mucus building up in your in your, you know, cavities right here, right? And it's ugh, green and ugh. Have you Have you seen one of these? This is called a neti pot. This is not something if you're trying to get a date, you don't do this in front of people. But what a neti pot is, is you take it, you fill it with water, and then you have this wonderful, so this wonderful saline crystal granules. And you get over the sink and you put it in and it goes up. It just flows up into your sinus cavities and then comes out the other nostril. It's beautiful. (laughs) And guys, this is what it's like to wash yourself with the word. You got all this junk up here. And so do not put this on Facebook. You, you, 
<clears throat> you have, you just start washing all this stuff out. I want to tell you, some of you, you, you struggle with the battle for your mind. I want to tell you to start washing, take out your spiritual neti pot every day and just, fo- you just force the junk out of your head, Right? This is what the Bible says about the Word of God. Hebrews 4.12, let's put that up. It says the Word of God is living and active. When you're, when you're putting this washing of your, of your mind, you get the Word in there and it's like little swords. And it's, it's destroying everything. It's cutting out all the bad. It's living and active. And so you get it washing through your mind, it will change you. Okay, I've got to move on really quick. So point number one was what? You need to what? Yep, you need brainwashing. Number two trick, springboard prayer. Write that down, springboard prayer. So here's what happens. You've been trying to wash out your brain, but you're just walking along, and all of a sudden the enemy just attacks you. He just starts condemning you. you you're nothing good. You're, you'll never amount to anything. Or all of a sudden, you know, you're just having these bad thoughts in your mind. Look at what Colossians chapter 2 says. And, and so we think, well, just, just cut it out, right? Just stop that. Colossians 2 says this. It says, do, do we have the, uh, this isn't Colossians 2, this is actually Colossians. Oh, no, no, it is. No, this is Colossians 3. No, 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 this is Colossians 2. Good. Okay. <clears throat> Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why is that you still belong to it? Do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they're based on human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. What is that saying? It's saying, as believers, we can't just say, just don't do that. Just cut it out. Just don't touch it. Don't taste it. Why? Because we're fighting a spiritual battle. So in Colossians 3.1, he's going to give us the solution. Let's put that up. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. He's saying the living power of God is in you. Set your heart on the things of above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds, set your minds on the things of above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So this is springboard prayer. You start getting attacked You're walking along, minding your own business. All of a sudden, you start getting condemned, and you go, "Uh uh-oh, I'm not going to let my mind be there. I'm going to set my mind on the things of above. Instead of just saying, no, 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 don't do that, right? It's kind of like the kid riding the bike, and he's like, don't hit the tree. Don't hit the tree. Whatever you do, don't hit the tree. But he's staring at the tree, so hits the tree. He's saying, don't just say, don't hit the tree. He's saying, set your mind on the things of above. So here's what happens. You're going about your life, you get tempted, and all of a sudden you realize the only way I'm not going to struggle with this mental thing is to place my mind on something else. So you place it on Christ, seated at the right hand of God. So this is how it goes for me. I'm walking around, and all of a sudden, Robert, you're a failure. Robert, you're a loser. And all of a sudden I'm starting to think, Robert, you're a failure. Robert, you're a loser. And then I go, "Uh uh-uh, wait a second. This isn't going to work. So stop thinking about it. But it keeps coming. And so I go, no, no, I need to set my mind on the things above. So I say, you know what? I might be, but God, you're awesome. And you're sitting on the throne and you're the prince of peace and you're the king of kings and you're the Lord of lords and you're the lion of the tribe of Judah. And I start placing my mind on something else. Now, here's the deal. Your mind can't be on two things at the same time. 
So all of a sudden your mind was down here in discouragement, but now you placed your mind on worship. And guess what happens? God gets exalted. You're all of a sudden doing what you're created to do. And guess what? You're defeating the enemy. So the enemy wanted to discourage you. You were probably just going on your life, you know, just first of all, you were just thinking about what you were going to eat, you know, like hamburgers or whatever. And then you get condemned, right? But then if you turn your condemnation into praise, you start defeating the enemy. Guess what? The enemy doesn't want to attack you anymore because he realizes every time I attack that guy, he turns it into worship. He wasn't worshiping before. He was just thinking about hamburgers. But now when I attacked him, he's worshiping, right? This, this is how I thought of it this, this week is, you know, a lot of times you just get busy and you're going out throughout your life, but then you start, your body starts getting a little attack, you know, <clears throat> you start getting a little cough, you start getting a little sinuses and you think, you know, I need vitamins. So you pull out your vitamin C, right? And, and you take it and it starts building up your immune system and then you find your calcium magnesium and it, it builds up your bones, it coats your nerves. You take your, your B12, you get energy, right? You get your acidophilus, two billion living organisms get in your body, start fighting for you. You know, and because you were just dealing with a little thing, all of a sudden you just start flooding your body with good stuff and it, and it ends up making you better. Guys, what I'm teaching you is to turn the enemy's attack against himself. So that every time the enemy starts attacking you, you just turn to worship. You know what I've started doing? I would actually go, (laughs) enemy, thank you for reminding me to worship. I was forgetting. You attacked me and you drove me to worship. Man, I appreciate that, right? What happens? The enemy gets really taken. He goes, forget it. I'm not going to attack him on that, right? And he stops attacking you in that area powerful. Let me finish with this. Okay. So you got your brainwashing, right? You're cleansing out your mind with the word. Okay. You, you got your, you've got your springboard prayer. You know, you're focusing on Jesus. It's building you up. It's, it's defeating the attack. But I do want to tell you, and this is, this is really serious. There are some events that have happened to us. There's some traumatic situations. As I've talked to so many of you that They just come back to haunt you. Some different situations, some different circumstances that you just can't seem to get free from. And just like these are something you'd go and and do on your own. There really are some things that have happened to us. Maybe a molestation or a rape, maybe an abortion, maybe a, a very painful thing that someone did to you that you just can't seem to get past. And I want to tell you, That that is why God brings us into the body of Christ with people who are gifted in in healing, in the healing ministry. Listen to what, what it says about Jesus in Isaiah 61, and he wants us to walk in this. It says this, it says, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And I want to tell you that churches are full of people with a spirit of despair. Say, Robert, you don't understand what happened to me. Yeah, I can totally relate to Chelsea. Something like that. Or man, maybe your story is worse than hers. You go, yeah, I wish it was just as bad as hers. I want to tell you that God is 
empowering the church through his Holy Spirit to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness those who have been prisoners and to proclaim a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And for those of you that feel that way, I want to encourage you, talk to your life group leaders. Make an appointment with our people who've been trained in in inner healing prayer and watch God show up. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I have watched God show up in the midst of people's most tragic and traumatic events. And he takes them into those and he shows up and he speaks and he shows up and he tells them the truth about what they are and what someone can't do in thousands of hours of reading books and studying. God unlocks in a moment. I want to tell you, you know, these are the, what you did, take at home and we all need to be doing these, but sometimes you just got to go in for surgery. You got to get in, in, in Jesus's operating room with some people who've been trained and let him work on you and do things that you can't do. And I want to tell you, that's what God's doing in the church in our time, men and women. And if that's you and you're in a desperate place and maybe you think you'll never be better, I want to tell you that there is hope for the hopeless. That he came to set the captive free. That's how we want to end today. Why don't we stand up?